From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 166 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you're new to the podcast, hello. We are so glad that you are tuning in with us. Each week, Ministry Monday offers a podcast episode for the church music minister on topics that seek to help you learn, grow, challenge, and inspire. And if you haven't done so already, I encourage you, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, Thanks for joining us. It continues to be a unique time for music ministry, and that conversation continues here on Ministry Monday. As a fellow pastoral musician, I've noticed that the COVID-19 pandemic has allowed for a re-evaluation of many of the things we use and depend upon in music ministry. So why not take this moment of pause and re-evaluation to grow and strengthen our musical and liturgical skills? That is our focus today. Today is the second week in a two-week series about learning and formation opportunities led by or partnered with NPM. So last week we heard from Teresa Kobarubia yoder about the importance of music theory knowledge, even at its most foundational level. Today we speak to Michael Rizicki about the importance of liturgical formation in our lives. Michael is the Director of Music Ministry at St. John Birchman's Parish in Chicago and serves as the Training and Events Manager at Liturgy Training Publications. Michael's reflections today are really aimed at the working pastoral musician, and I mean all pastoral musicians, cantors, choir members, ensemble members, and of course, directors of music. Those who actively engage and help to facilitate the sacred liturgy so benefit from a consistent dedication to learning why we do what we do in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Michael joins us from his office at LTP in Chicago, Illinois. Today on Ministry Monday, I'm talking to Michael Rizicki. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm well, Amanda. Good to be with you again. I know. It's good to be with you again, again. I feel like I just left you (laughs) in New Orleans just a few weeks back, but I am so grateful that you're willing to talk with me today about liturgical formation. Um, So, you know, as we back into the topic of liturgical formation, you know, why don't we just take a second and talk about, first off, of course, you work for LTP. So how, how did you find yourself in this role of ministering to the ministers at LTP. Sure. No, that's great. I, you know, I, 
liturgy training publications here. We're Agency of the Archdiocese Chicago, but I started as a pastoral associate. I, I really just as a director of music and liturgy at a parish back in, in Maryland. It's all I ever wanted to do. And somehow my journey then brought me into catechesis, adult faith formation. And then I saw this position available. It was media and events. Um, it, was, it was coordinating exhibits at MPM and such. And then it was eventually somehow saying, you know, we need more. Well, think about our title of our organization, Liturgy Training. We, we come right out of the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy that says liturgical formation is at the heart of who we are as a practicing um, liturgical person, uh, people, right? So um, I don't know, liturgy plus music plus catechesis really can change our parishes. So anyway, I'm nerding out on you, but I think it's just <laughs> such a, it's been a fun journey in, in my life to see the catechetical plus liturgical worlds collide as they should, you know? I really do think that liturgical formation is something that is constant in the life of a pastoral minister. I really do. I mean, and I, to me, it's continuing ed that first off sharpens our skills, but also like you just mentioned, like sharpens our awareness and sharpens our engagement in the sacred liturgy. Because too, I, I personally think that pastoral musicians also experience the liturgy in a different way anyway. And so through liturgical formation, I really do think that we can help ourselves learn more, but then also help others learn more. Of course, like we just said, you and I just finished talking to one another and seeing each other in New Orleans. And I know that you had a breakout session that kind of, you know, talked about this exact thing. Would you mind sharing a little bit of information for those who may not have been at the convention? Sure. The, the one breakout we did uh, toward the end of the conference was uh, something called, but I don't get anything out of mass. Uh, something that we've heard from even members of our own family, but let alone folks in our, in our congregation. We, at, at the breakout session, we, we talked about, well, why are people saying this? And a lot of responses came out of, well, you know, we, we go as obligation or we were never really taught much about it. Um, my question back is, what are, we, what are we doing or what could we be doing in response to this? But let's go back to that title, but I don't get anything out of mass. I think mm -hmm. we got to be careful with a phrase like that. Uh, it was kind of like the little uh, clickbait title. It, this isn't a transactional thing like I put in to get something out. The catechism, the liturgy is a participation in Christ's own prayer addressed to the Father in the Holy Spirit. It's our participation in this. Um, and we need to be formed ongoing throughout our whole lives. Amanda, you just had, had a great intro, which reminded me of St. John Paul II, when he was talking about uh, formation, specifically for lay people. And he was saying, I'm not, uh, this is a paraphrase, but he said, the more we are formed, um, really, in essence, the becomes the more we are able to form others mm -hmm. and it just becomes this whole cycle and 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 i do want to just pause right there and say formation is different and catechesis is different than teaching mm -hmm. 
Hmm. You know, when we look at catechesis being echoing the faith, formation, as co-workers in the vineyard says, it addresses the heart, the mind, the emotions. It's like a this experience, this dance with the Holy Spirit, if you will. Hmm. It's not just sitting in a classroom memorizing knowledge. Because like what you said, it's the liturgical formation and our parish's approach to that through the, it says in the constitution through the zealous approach of the pastor that leads us to full conscious active participation. If we want that, we have to have liturgical formation. So I think we had really good conversation um, in that, you know, whether it's the catechism, whether it's the directories on catechesis, it does say that catechesis and liturgy are, are, are bound, inherent to, to each other. And the liturgy being the privileged place for catechesis. Wow. So some of the things also, if you don't, do you mind me just keep jamming her out way? Go, here? Is that okay? go to town. Absolutely. When we're talking about it in a parish setting. Amanda, I was at my parish, I think, for five or six years after college before I realized director of music and liturgy might have had something to do with formation. Huh. I thought the liturgy aspect was order candles, you know, um, schedule mm -hmm. ministers and just make sure things. It was the stage managing aspect of my job. And I thought, no, it has to be more than that. Um, you know, the song, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Mm -hmm. Well, liturgical formation might need to begin with you. Mm. Um, if, if it's not on the forefront of the pastor or the director of liturgy, maybe it's us as pastoral musicians who need to be the starting point to look at the community's relationship, if you will, with formation. So do we have someone dedicated to that ministry, dedicated to the ministry of liturgical catechesis? I don't think it's fair to say or expect the DRE, um, you know, they've got, unfortunately, like a solid set of curriculum that they have to get through the kids to the kids in a number of weeks. Right. Um, and then also, if you have that dedicated person, many of us have a love-hate relationship with liturgy committees. Maybe oh. Right. Mm -hmm. Looking at the liturgy committee and certain people on that, uh, that worship commission that are dedicated to the formation. A phrase we use all the time at LTP, plan the work and then work the plan. So now would be a great time at the end of August or whenever you're listening to this, to think months ahead of time, what are we, what are we wanting to do? How are we gonna form folks to understand Holy Week? We're gonna do it in Holy Week or do we use aspects of Lent to lead up to that? Plan the work and then work the plan. I'm glad you said that too, because one of the things that I find to be one of the hardest things to do is to plan with enough time in advance, because sometimes thing, I feel like sometimes liturgical seasons sneak up on us and I personally get bogged down in the details. Sure. And so it is so great to take this moment now. Like it's, you know, I don't want to wish our summer away, but it's coming down to the end of the summer weeks. People are going back to school. I think it's a really good time to look at the fall and say, okay, first off, 
How can we teach this season? What can we teach? And I think there's an added element there too. How can we teach this in the context of the shifting realities of the pandemic too? Sure, sure. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yes. One is very simple. I mean, here at LTP, we many of you know this, is we published Sourcebook. Sourcebook for Sundays and Seasons and Solemnities. And it has in there... Um, worship commission meetings. So it's saying in August, start looking at Advent. So just giving us these reminders already and say, these are the things. But I think the other thing that, because um, your, your, your points are absolutely right. You know, it, it's December 26th every year, I would wake up and say, okay, let's start planning Lent and Easter and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> because it was just, you got to get, you got to get going on that. Yeah. But I do think that we should give ourselves maybe a buffer year or so coming out of COVID, um, hopefully. Uh, and what I mean by that is saying, we got to form ourselves first. If we're going to, you know, we got to evangelize the evangelizers, we got to train the trainers. So I would say even something like that is great. Let's gather together, worship commission. Let's bring the faith formation commission in. Let's take a look at those introductory paragraphs, the prenotanda to infant baptism. What does this say about our theology? What does this say about our church? And then ultimately about how we celebrate this. Because before we could then form our communities in, in the vision of these rites, we got we to gotta spend some time with our leadership. And that includes staff, pastor, and liturgical ministers, catechists. So I think it is kind of taking that approach and if you're not a big strategic thinker, find someone in your parish who might be. Um, we can't underestimate some of these skills that we could borrow and appropriate in our Catholic parishes. Strategic planning, where do we want to be in one, two, three years? And then as a committee, uh, this is what we need to do to understand Eucharist more and so forth. And then, I'm so glad you said that too, because one of the things, and I didn't mention this to you yet, but one of the things that at Ministry Monday is doing is we've been having a two-part series right now on fall formation opportunities. Great. So of course, like we just said, Michael, I just saw you at the convention. That's wonderful. Um, but especially, you know, we at NPM, we're looking at formation as a year round thing. And so, uh, for example, NPM is offering three different things in September. One is a choral conducting workshop over the month. One is basics of music theory for the choir member and cantor. So again, looking at formation in that regard, if you need that. And the other is the partnership with LTP for the essentials of Catholic liturgy. And I think it ties in perfectly with the idea of liturgical formation, because I mean, I'll be honest with you, Michael, I've been a cradle Catholic. Is, isn't that enough as a liturgical form? You know, do I know enough? Right, right. No, though, that's a, that's a great, and I'm not going to answer that for you, but I think, <laughs> I think my answer is no, but you can go ahead. <laughs> but no, I, I think that's one of the things. And that was um, earlier in July, I had that blessed opportunity to go out with with mpm for the skill builders mm, in yeah. reno and we did some liturgical formation and we had folks who were cradle catholics who after we broke open let's say the procession at mass 
the opening procession, that it has a theological purpose. It has a fun, it's not just to get father from this door to that chair, right? you know, that there's something more to this. And that's what we do in the essentials of Catholic liturgy with the different parts of the mass, with the seasons, with the sacraments and such. Um, we, Amanda, if I, if I may, like there was uh, in the breakout on, but I don't get anything out of mass. Mm-hmm. We did a cutesy little true and false question. And, so, mm-hmm. and I asked the, the folks in the room, the average Catholic, true or false, understands why they do what they do at liturgy. And the whole room pretty much screamed false. Hmm. the average Catholic, true or false, is fully consciously actively participating in the liturgy. And the room screamed false. Hmm. And I think, okay, while this may hurt, these are opportunities for us. This is something for us to, to look at the cradle Catholic, to look at those of us who've been involved in ministry for 20, 30, 40 years. And wow, I had no idea that intercessions, the universal prayer means something greater than just a list of prayers like you know what i mean so the essentials of catholic liturgy we've been doing it for a few years hand in hand with npm this isn't uh, npm saying hey you all should go to ltp's thing this is together this is us working developed together for you with you together and so forth but what we get every year are participants who say a, I've been doing this for decades and I didn't know this, just enlightening. B, I heard it in a different way. I did know it, but I've heard it and now I appreciate it differently. And C, I wish all of my parishioners went to this because we would be a more well-formed, because the more well-formed you are in the liturgy, the more well-formed and prepared you are to go live out that dismissal in the world go glorifying God by your life. So they they are connected. Liturgical formation leads to full active conscious participation in liturgy, which leads to full active conscious participation in the mission of Jesus and the church out in the world, which is ultimately, ultimately the point of gathering so that we could transform out there. So LTP offers the essentials of Catholic liturgy quite often, Michael, but I'm, I'm just going to ask you a really straight up honest question. Why, why this fall would be a good time would to, to start track one for the essentials of Catholic liturgy. Sure. Yeah. Great question. We, we designed it together so that these three tracks um, could be done in a year. So we've done, uh, we've organized it in a way so that it's six weeks in the early fall. This year, it will be starting on September 13th, always on a Monday night, hopefully avoiding some of your rehearsals and such. Six weeks. And then for MPM members, we're going to have a special seventh session just for MPM members on music and the sacramental liturgies. So while week one, uh, sorry, track one is the basics of liturgy. We're going to add on an extra session that is specifically talking about music, music and the sacramental rites. Then after a week or two off, make sure we have that Monday of All Saints in. (laughs) Then we gather afterwards for track two, um, sacramental rites and other parish liturgies. And then when we gather after uh, a wonderful Christmas and New Year celebration, track three, we really raise the bar, liturgy, life and discipleship. We wanted to make sure that 
you could in a year finish these three tracks. Um, is that all? No, because this is just going to pave your way for that life of ongoing formation that you've already participating in. Um, so I think it's a, a good opportunity uh, to sit at home, the office, pour yourself a glass of club soda and enjoy the evening with us. Um, but it is fun because you get to be a community over the six weeks, over the 12, over the 18 weeks. And you're checking in with each other. You're sharing best practices. One of the great things we have is a, like a discussion forum that you could, we give you optional homework throughout the week. But I love it because the members, mostly MPM members are saying, hey, folks, emergency. I have a quinceanera this weekend. Anyone have any suggestion for music? Mm. And we see folks just continuing that MPM bond through the ECL Essentials of Catholic Liturgy experience. Like you said, NPM is an association of pastoral musicians, not a one week event in the summer. Yep. And that's what I think you're doing beautifully at uh, with all these, this and many other offerings. So amen. Kudos to you all. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I so am grateful too that you are going to be offering that extra session for NPM members, music for sacramental rites. So are we talking about baptism, weddings? What else? Yes. It's looking yeah, at things that. like it, that. Yep. Yep. It's going to be, mm -hmm. many of us don't do music at infant baptisms, but if it's, in the uh, yeah. Sunday, if, if it's in the Sunday liturgy, we might, but maybe we're still ignoring some of the acclamations that are called for. So it's mm -hmm. looking at all those opportunities and, and even something like, okay, well, what's the vision of music at <laughs> first communion or something? It's like, okay, well, commu first communion is mass. So let's look at our principles for celebrating mass. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then Holy Week, things, things like that. So sacramental rites, but we're going to branch off into a few other things as well, too. That sounds good. That sounds like a good idea, because to be honest with you, Michael, and I can't believe I'm admitting this on the podcast, but I don't and I haven't played that many infant baptisms outside of mass. It's just not something that my parish did. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Good. Well, as we wrap up, this conversation, or at least this portion of the conversation, because I know that you and I will, will keep talking. But as we wrap up, if someone's listening and they might be on the fence about doing anything for liturgical formation this fall for themselves, for whatever reason, time, money, concerns about resources, whatever it is, um, if they were thinking about it, what would be one piece of advice that you could give to them that you may have already said, but just kind of bring to the forefront or something else just to kind of wrap up? I would say for those of us involved in pastoral music, while it would certainly be great to participate in any of those programs, I think that would be great. Um, for us, I would implore us to look at documents of the church um, that don't have anything to do with music. Mm. Look at the directory for catechesis because it's full of implications for us in our ministry. We look at the documents on evangelization. They have huge implications. One thing we talked about at MPM a few weeks ago was fallen away or inactive Catholics. Uh, we've, <laughs> we got a document for that. Let's mm. pick it up. Disciples called a witness. So I think 
as pastoral musicians, and many of us are being called to do more and more than just pastoral music, you already have so much of a gift because you are imbued with the spirit and power of the liturgy. We need to look at where that spirit and the power could affect the rest of the church. And I think you're going to find a lot of inspiration, particularly in the church's catechetical documents. So open your open yourself up. And if you want to sit and chat, let me know. I think it would be a wonderful opportunity for, for all of us to just look at music and liturgy through the lens of catechesis. I think that's a great way to start the fall. Wait, great way to set our tone uh, as we make our plans for the fall. So I yes. thank you. Thank you for your time today, Michael. And thank you for your constant expertise and knowledge um, if you're listening and you're interested in the essentials of Catholic liturgy, we will put the information in the show notes of this episode, and it will be at npm.org. Thanks, Michael, for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much to Michael for his time today. For more information about the essentials of Catholic liturgy and how to register, visit npm.org or check out the show notes of this episode. The recording of Eso Me Basta, Señor was produced by GIA Publications, and today's theme music was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts, empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you back here next Monday. Eso me basta